Welcome aboard the Adventures in New Music Express Season 2 Episode 5, this week calling at I Told You So by Delvon Lamar Organ Trio and There There by For Giants. I'm your driver, Andy, and passing through the carriages is your ticket inspector, Chris. Please have all tickets and passes ready because Chris will slap a fine on you faster than you can say, have you tried listening to it on headphones? If you feel like it, you can make your way to the buffet car and buy Andy and Chris a coffee. Details on the website, adventuresinnewmusic.com. And don't forget, get in touch with any comments, suggestions and new music recommendations on Instagram and on email, adventuresinnewmusic at gmail.com. All aboard! Toot toot! <laughs> boop boop! These intros are getting more and more elaborate, aren't they? Oh, it's ridiculous. I, I almost had fun writing that, and then I got really critical of myself. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a load of rubbish or not, but it's there. It's set in stone now, so um, so we'll live with it. <laughs> how you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm all right. How are you? I'm all right. Filthy mood tonight. Just one of those days, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to recording and, uh, and yeah, glad to be here. Hopefully a bit of chat and a bit of bants will, will get you out of that mood. Um, yeah. Have you been listening to anything this week? Uh, I've got to be honest, I've only really listened to one new thing this week. I've taken a few days off work, which has dramatically reduced my music listening time. Uh, and the only really new release that I've listened to is a new track by uh, Brad Paisley. Do you know who Brad Paisley is? Um, he's a country artist. He is a country artist. He's an absolutely like extraordinary country guitarist. I mean, to be fair, even if I didn't know that, I could have guessed with the name. I mean, that's, Brad that Paisley. is pre- pretty much as country as it gets, isn't it? <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few more country, but uh, yeah, Brad Brad Paisley's pretty pretty country. Anyway, he's got a new single out called Off Road. And he's got two schools of, I don't know, songwriting as Brad Paisley. He's an insanely fast guitarist, but he does all this stuff where a lot of what he plays is completely out of the key of the song. Just because he's moving his hands so fast, he just sort of, it just pings all over the place. And it's fascinating to listen to. And he has these sort of slightly tongue-in-cheek, slightly funny songs sometimes, which are normally pretty rocking. And then he has these really heartfelt country songs. And I, I saw he had a new track out called Off-Road. And I was like, please, please be the the, the tongue-in-cheek, funny, rocking, amazing guitarist. But actually, it's really heartfelt. And um, he's all right. Is that, <laughs> that's it, is it? Yeah. <laughs> what about you? All that build-up and you've essentially just given me a vanilla country track. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I don't know. I still like him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it from me. What about you? Um, I've listened to a few things. I've listened to three new albums this week, which I, I thought were worth bringing your attention to. First one I kind of teased a couple of weeks ago, and this is the new release from Mogwai, As the Love Continues, oh. which is spectacular. Yeah. Have you listened to it? Yeah, I have listened to it. <laughs> I forgot. It's brilliant. It's so good. There's nobody better at doing this style of music than Mogwai. They've just uh-huh. sort of they've stood the test of time. Um, I, I've got to say, there's still something about me really gets caught off um, caught off guard when he is singing on the Mogwai record. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear those vocals coming, I'm like, ooh, that, I'm not used to that. But it is good. Um, stand out for me, track five, Drive the Nail, which kind of flirts with three and six beats in a bar. Really, really good track. That That's probably my, my standout. Um, that's what I, rec- I recommend you listening to if you haven't heard it already. But you have. Um, <laughs> secondly, favourites um, favorites of ours on the podcast, Ist Ist have um, now released their uh, Live from the Basement gig, 
that they did at the back end of last year. It was their stream show from the back oh, end of last yeah. year. Um, and they've released it now as an album, uh, Is This Live from the Basement. Um, it's super tight. They're really good live. It's basically, it's the album played in order with a few extra treats. Um, and again, it's produced superbly by Michael Worley. Oh, sounding God. sounding massive. Um, and the third album that I was going to talk about tonight, which I've listened to, is Drunk Tank Pink by Shame. Now, this album has been on my potentials for a good few weeks, probably since the start of the year. Um, but as we're getting you know, deep into this series, it's become apparent that um, I'm not going to pick it as the album. <laughs> really, to be honest, I just feel a little bit post-punked out. <laughs> and... This falls into that category again. Seems yeah. to be a lot of that lot out, and that's not to say that it's not good because it is. It is a solid enough album. Yeah, I c- completely agree. I mean, I haven't heard the whole album. They've also been on my potentials list, and let's you know, let's listen, let the listeners in on a secret. You text me today, going basically, should we just listen to it because you fancy listening to it, and you were a bit post punked yeah. out, and I was like, yeah, I'm a bit post punked out as well. Um, Go for it. I I didn't have a chance to listen to it um, yet, but I'm going to... The track I'd heard was Nigel Hitter. Um, And I would say that's probably the standout track on the album, track two. I think that's the single. Because the track I'd heard was Alphabet, actually, track one. Oh, track one, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I enjoyed that. Mm. Um, And I was going to choose the album off the back of that. but uh, It's worth checking out. I think it might be something that I revisit in a few months, Mm. Um, you know, when I'm not as post-punked out, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we've listened to a few other bits and bats. But um, that's my listening for this week. So I would say all three albums definitely worth checking out. But if you're going to check out one, um, get that Mogwai album. It's great. Yeah, that's, that, that is really good. Highly recommended. I, I saw a film this week. <laughs> I saw uh, The Peanut Butter Falcon. Have you seen that? No, it's on my watch list. It's really good. It's on Netflix, but it's uh, it's a really, really quite a heartwarming, quite a fascinating story. But the reason I raise it is because the soundtrack is superb. It's um, it's got a lot of country and a lot of bluegrass on it. So you know, tread lightly, dear Christopher. But <laughs> it's uh, but it's brilliant and it's really, really cool. And one of the standout tracks on it is is the Stable song by Gregory Allen Isaacoff, who is not a strictly a country artist, I guess more of a folk artist, but um, Gregory Allen Isaacoff is someone I listen to a lot because I just love him. And my friend Sarah introduced me to him a few years ago and I've sort of become a little bit obsessed. Anyway, the track that is on the Peanut Butter Falcon soundtrack is called The Stable Song and it's from his album with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra. And um, it's just perfect and i recommend you bang that on tonight at some point i might check that out i might check that out speaking of soundtracks uh, have you clocked that um arcade fire and owen pallet are releasing their soundtrack from the film her which was uh came out quite a while ago with mm. uh Joaquin phoenix yeah in. yeah and I've, i never um, saw that interesting concept it's good it's a good i enjoyed that yeah mm. i went to see that at the corner house in manchester but it's for the first time i think i might be right saying it's coming out next week um the soundtrack's coming out and the soundtrack is particularly good so i'm quite looking forward to that oh cool two artists i very much like owen pallet and uh indeed okay fire now who did owen pallet produce was it chloe pelgag or someone like that last year Yes, I think it was. No, he arranged the strings. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, gosh, what an album. Yeah. 
great album. Uh, shall we talk a little bit about the Frankie Teardrop Challenge? Yeah, let's get down to brass tacks. <laughs> <laughs> so last week we listened to the album for the first time by Black Country New Roads. And the song Science Fair really reminded me of the track Frankie Teardrop by Suicide. And I mentioned to Chris that there is such a thing as the Frankie Teardrop Challenge. Now, it's a really abrasive, horrible um, synth punk track released in 1977 on Suicide's debut album. And um, I don't know much about that band at all, but I'd know about this challenge. You go into the woods or somewhere dark and miserable, put the track up really loud on your headphones and see if you can stand the full 10 minutes of it. Chris... How'd you get on? <laughs> pretty horrible, isn't it? <laughs> it's Surrendous. pretty horrible. We have um, we've done a couple of before and after videos, haven't we? Which we'll put up on the socials. Yes. But um, yeah, it's. I, I don't really want to say too much without giving anything away in case people want to give it a go. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty. I mean, I, I didn't know anything about this song. I didn't know anything about this challenge before we did it. I've since we did it last night. I have done a little bit of research. Found a couple of quite interesting things actually. Um, the song was featured in Nick Hornby's book, 31 Songs. You know, he talks about 31 songs, mm. which, which are close to him. But with, with this song, um, it's in the category. He describes it as um, a, a song that you would only listen to once. Well, that's and probably I'm, fair, eh? In, I think I'm in the camp. I'm in, that, I'm in Nick Hornby's camp with that one. I also found Lou Reed said that it was uh, one of the songs that he wishes he'd written. Yeah, I read that as well. I was sort of like, I'm sort of surprised. I don't, it doesn't really feel like a song. No. Um, and, you know, Walk on the Wild Side, it ain't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's pretty creepy. It's it, it's pretty hardcore. I mean, there's there's a, in particular, there's one bit which made me jump about six foot in the air. Um, yeah, I, and it was, it didn't help that it was miserable weather last night. So I like, sort of went and, uh, stood in my garden, um, with my hat on and my hood up and yeah, I, I've got to admit, I did have to start pacing around at one point a little <laughs> bit. Um, I, uh, I, I walked out of my back garden and up the hill, uh, into the, into the woods and, um, I found a little, well, I, I, I knew where I was going. I was aiming for this little cave type thing. And it's, it, it was basically a little, very shallow cave because it was raining. And I was like, well, I'll just get a bit of shelter there. It's not going to be that bad. Ah, oh, but I was so skittish throughout the whole thing, just looking left and looking right. Yeah, and just, yeah. just like, like, who's coming around the corner? I fully expected to see, I don't know, some hooded figures marching over the hill yeah. towards me. I was terrified. I did. Uh, I must confess at one point, I did have to check my phone to see how long was left. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There was a point at which I was sitting listening to it and it sort of, I don't know, drifts a bit. And I was like, I bet when Chris gets to this point, he looks at his phone to see how long's left. It was probably, <laughs> probably exactly was that, that point. point yeah. It probably was that point, yeah. Um, interestingly enough as well, um, I, fa- I came across a, a thread on Reddit um, where somebody's talking about the Frankie Teardrop Challenge uh, and saying how creepy it is and then asking other people to name songs which are equally as terrifying and quite a lot of love for a song which I've never heard, uh, Hamburger Lady, by the wonderfully titled band Throbbing Gristle. Have you um, have you heard this song before? I'm, I'm not familiar. Are we doing <laughs> no. a Hamburger Lady challenge this year? I don't. Well, maybe not bother with the challenge, but should, let's have a listen to the song again. Yeah, <laughs> All right. And if anybody that. else has got any sort of uh, terrifying listens, then um, by all means get in touch. That's and uh, you never know, we might 
we might get the old uh, Max on and go, go and listen to it in the cold and cold and rain again one yeah. Tuesday night. And if you uh, you know have have a go at the Frankie Teardrop Challenge yourself, report back. Let us know how it went. It's it's quite funny. Share a video on Instagram or, or whatever you want to do and tag yeah, us in. Yeah, that'd it. be funny. That would be funny. That would yeah. be cool. Great stuff. Cool. Right. Should we check out this week's albums then? Let's check out this week's albums. Lovely. Uh, me first first yeah. is you first yeah go on what you done so my album this week is i told you so by delvon lamar organ trio Delvon Lamar Organ Trio, also known as DVLO3, are an American jazz soul outfit formed in Detroit in 2015. I Told You So is their second album following their debut release, Close But No Cigar, which was originally released back in 2016, but got a wider re-release in 2018, which then saw the album get to number one in the US contemporary jazz charts. The lineup has changed quite a bit over the years, with Delvon Lamar being the only constant, as you'd expect, given the name of the group. But this current lineup sees Jimmy Jones on guitar and drummer Grant Schroff joining Delvon Lamar. Lamar himself plays Hammond, very impressively working the bass lines in his left hand and pedals. The track that I'd heard going into this was track five, Faux Show which perfectly frames their sound. Think Booker T, The Meters, with some heavy nods to the glory years of Stax Records. I'm putting it out there from the off. This album is right up my straza, and I'm a huge fan of the New Orleans sound, which these cats have got going on in abundance. But I'm interested in getting your vibe on this, Andy, as I know you aren't as fussed as me on this genre. So this week, I'm just going to simply ask, faux show or oh no? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I, lo- I love the idea of Delvon Lamar being the the uh, the only constant, but, but, <laughs> but actually being desperate to quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't. I've named the band after myself. Um, His wife's the manager as well, so it's all sort oh of in God. in house. He can't quit, can he? No, absolutely. Nightmare, nightmare. Would he want to quit? I uh, I'm glad you mentioned that he's uh, he's quite adept at managing the bass uh, with his left hand and his pedals because I was like, is this a trio? Because you know I have a problem with bands that spell themselves out as yeah, you know, a trio and then or actually it's more the it's more the duos that annoy me. Now hang on a minute, hang on a minute. You you always say you you always like pick me up on oh you have got a big thing about you don't like countings mm-hmm. and songs and I'm you know and I, I think we when we talked about uh, Bayo the other week, we established that I am just massively <laughs> hypocritical. And you're telling me, oh, I don't like these, you know, they call themselves trios and they're not. One of your favourite bands is Ben, ben Pol's Pol's Five. Five. Yeah, but they, we know that it's not five <laughs> members. I knew that was where you were going to go. But like, like, um, Royal Blood, like, they open, it's a bassist and a drummer, like, how quirky is that? That's so cool. What a big sound. Track one, album one, tambourine's pretty much the first thing you hear, isn't it? No one's playing that. You've got and such then, a beanie bonnet about that tambourine. I have, I have, but it's just like, that's just false advertising. Your gimmick is that you're two two people making an absolute racket and then, then you've got someone, I don't know, tapping a triangle and you're like, don't bother, don't lie. Uh, and it was like when the White Stripes had bass lines and you're like, hang on, what's the point in that? Anyway, I was very pleased <laughs> that he... 
<laughs> he's covering the baselines himself. Well done, Delvon. This is not false advertising. I'm, I'm, no, I'm it's pretty, pretty impressive, isn't it? Pretty impressive. Um, you you kind of claimed to me that, or not, you didn't claim to me. You said to me like, "Oh, I feel like this is the equivalent of you choosing a country album," and you apologised to me for this. And I was like, "No, no, it's all right," because this is kind of your your sound. This is your kind of yeah. It's my bag. I mean, I love the whole sort of New Orleans vibe. In fact, I was pretty surprised to find out that these guys are from Detroit. They're not actually from from New Orleans because they do it so well. They do mm. it so so well. But no, I'm a huge fan of the whole New Orleans. Uh, sound and the, and the whole vibe and and the vibe that this has throughout the whole album it's that whole sits in between being straight and swung everything is played in the cracks it sounds super cool mm-hmm. sounds super edgy but yeah so i was aware that in picking this it's kind of am i giving you something that i know that i am really into and you're not necessarily going to be into in the way that it would be if you gave me a country album to listen yeah to. but no no i don't think it works like that i think i think I think more to the point, you don't like country. <laughs> yeah, mate. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I'm I'm gonna try and change that, but I don't know how. Um, this I thought was great. Um, I th- I I think for every track, I was excited to hear the drummer just sitting in that pocket every oh, man, he's time. A beast. Every time you just like, and I'm for show as well. I can see why that was such an appealing. Like, yeah, we'll get yeah, this yeah. album on. Because yeah. just rattling in with that little snare feel. Oh well, it's like it's almost like um, sort of a funky drummer, James Brown esque sort yeah. of um, sort of style, you know, style track. It, it, just, it for me when I heard Full Show, it was like, yeah, this is uh, it ticks a lot of boxes, and it I could hear it in a Tarantino film. It's that sort of vibe. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? No, completely. I've i put that sort of thing. I uh, put Guy Ritchie films. Um, you know, even beginning Hole in One. I think that's just just the beat straight away you're like oh that shuffle just 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 absolutely everything going on and it's yeah. not one of the things i love about it, it's not often that you hear a tom being played you, this is a guy who's clearly I, I i'm hearing a small kit small punchy little kit and um yeah just just you know snare high hat kick and yeah. the odd symbol uh, there, there are toms, aces, and um, right place, right time. Both have like tiny bits of tom work in them, but, but yeah. generally, the drumming on this is so simple, but just brilliant. Well, the drumming on it is just it, it is phenomenal, and it's the, the production of it as well. I mean, the production just to sort of give a nod to the the, the production on the album, it, it really does capture that live sound. I actually think it could it could have been recorded live. This album it would not surprise me at all. You can hear the snare buzzing with the other instruments, so mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that at least put the guides down in the same room. Um, the sound of the drums is amazing when i listen to this and i'm so guilty of this when i listen to this album and i listen to stuff like this and i hear the sound of the drums it's like oh i want as a drummer i want that sound i want to be able to play that sound i've been guilty in the past of going out getting a snare drum or getting a cymbal because i've heard it on a recording and forgetting that the most important factor in this whole equation is the guy playing it so yeah. when I get it, it ain't gonna, it doesn't sound like that. It does not sound like that. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're all right, mate. You can you can you can carry a beat. You're all right. Yeah, not like this guy though. He's uh, he's spot on, isn't he? Um, <laughs> Too many tones, I mean, mate. That's your. Yeah. I mean the. The thing is, the musicianship on this album is is absolutely quality. The sound, the tones, everything is is perfect for the style. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's really really nice. Song structure wise, with the odd exception, 
it, it, it's not fancy. There's nothing fancy going on. You can almost predict where the song is going, especially when you get further and further down the album, you sort of get used to the songs. Um, Aces in particular has got these stabs, and you can almost sort of sing them the first time you hear them. You know yeah. what you know what's coming. But I like that. There's, there's like almost it. something like sort of quite comforting about it. You can stick on this album without having to overthink it so much. Just enjoy the musicality mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. um, which is you know what it's what it's all about, really. Um, again, I think the tunes lend themselves to sounding like a lot of them could have been just improvised. So they might necessarily might have been recorded and just been you know like sort of jammed almost. Yeah. Um, they often follow the the typical jazz form, returning back to the head or the main theme, and then like sort of soloing around the different parts. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a reoccurring theme coming yeah. through the album. And they do that really nicely, and you can. It's sort of surprising actually that it is such a rotating, or not rotating, might be the wrong word, but a changing lineup because there's a real chemistry, I think, to these three. I love the idea, or I love the way actually that the guitar is almost used like a bass, like a rhythm section. Uh, you look at a track like from the streets. It's, which is probably my pick of, of the tracks on the album. It's so laid back. It's like the yeah. most laid back track on the album, I'd say. It's, it's almost like a hip-hop beat that he's delivering. And it feels like it's crying out for a Duran Jones or someone to just come and scream out a, yeah, a kind yeah, of big yeah. vocal on it. Very cool. But but, but it's, it's, it's like the organ's only playing a bass line. Mm. And the guitarist has all the freedom there. But in something like track one, hole in one, it's like the guitar is playing the rhythm section. Yeah. And the organ has the freedom there. And it's it, there's a real sort of, uh, I don't know, an interchangeability about some of these tracks. Uh, and I think that's kind of, uh, and maybe this is just because I've focused on this track particularly, that's kind of really, really boasting evident on, on, on Careless Whisper, track seven, <laughs> their cover of Careless Whisper. Um, well, should we get to that in a minute? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why, why are you building up to that? I've got a bit saying Kelsey. Whisper. I just wanted to go back to what you were saying about From the Streets, which okay. is, yeah. I agree. I really like it. It's um, it's sort of in my top maybe three on the album. Um, it's it's like dirty, sleazy. I just wanted to go back and just highlight what we were saying before about the drums and just bring it round to the From the Streets. Okay. There's a drum break in this, and it just it's, there's an eight-bar drum break, and everything drops out, and the drummer just keeps the groove going. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything for eight bars except keeps the groove going. And that really sort of evoked some of James Brown's great drummers. Yeah. And, you know, it's that sort of vibe where yeah. it's just like having that confidence to go, nah, I don't need to do a mad solo here. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to keep the groove going. And I'm just yeah. going to keep your foot tapping along until everybody else comes back in. Aces as well. Drum breaks in that. Yeah. Really, really, really crisp. Um, uh, and right place, right time. I felt was very James Brown as well. Um I found the I found the guitar riff uh, kind of interesting. There, it was the first time I think I heard a double track guitar, right? Um, but it was that was a really cool one as well. Should we tackle Kells? Let's let's do that. Yeah, uh, you know, for me, the big question is why. Um, <laughs> like on a, on a on a cool album like this, uh, it felt like this was what I liked about it. And what I was going to say a, a minute ago was that the melody swaps between organ and guitar so yeah um yeah between the the, the, like the, the verses and played the by the guitar isn't it yeah yeah and it's really it's, that, was, that was quite cool except i felt like when the organ was doing it it was as close as it came to someone just cracking out the bon tempi and doing like you know banging it on demo version <laughs> and putting on careless whisper it was like oh why is this here 
this this is my take on it, right? It's a nine-track album, 41 minutes. Careless Whisper comes in track seven. And while it's a fine version of it, I actually think it's a, it's a good cover version. It just feels a little bit unnecessary. I, I, I would have been much happier if this had just been left off the album and it was an eight-track album without mm. Careless Whisper on. That said, I totally understand it being there. I do think that it makes it sort of more... Um, accessible to a larger audience. I wonder if people might discover this album who wouldn't have done necessarily. Maybe. maybe. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah, know. I do. Only... I do. But it's, that's that's that feels like a a dereliction of duty on the part of the kind of the sanctity of the musicianship. You know? Yeah. It's I like... mean, I might, I might be massively barking up the wrong tree. Do you know what? They might just love doing this cover, and they've just stuck it on the album. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but like I say, for me, I personally give this one a bit of a skip although that said <laughs> i do i do always enjoy the end of careless whisper and they do a really good job on it there's a little outro bit which i really like I, of um of, of careless whisper i don't know i like careless whisper i like the i like the lyrics of careless whisper i think they're brilliant mm. I, I i careless whisper is one of those songs that genuinely ruined saxophone for me just like baker street and um benny hill theme tune Oh no, I think I like that. But it's um but there's a lot of there's a lot of uh eighties songs that really was Jerry Rafferty eighties with Baker Street or was that seventies? Whatever. It's it's just sort of oh, I dunno, I really struggle with with that sound. So hearing that being the sort of central emulation of the whole track was like Oh no, really? Really, mm-hmm. Delvon? Um do you know the story about Careless Whisper that, that mm-hmm. um it's a George Michael solo song, but he credited Andrew Ridgely as writing it, as a yeah. co-writer on it. So it, it was like his little apology for splitting Wham up. And yeah. Ridgely pretty much lives off the royalties of a song that he'd had nothing to do with. Yeah. Quite I like lovely, that, that really. Yeah. yeah. I heard that about No Woman, No Cry. Bob Marley isn't actually credited. Fuji's. <laughs> oh, dear. But Bob Marley never actually credited himself with the writing of it. He credited his his mate who was a bit down on his luck and the guy's a millionaire <laughs> like oh, basically right. and um you know it's it, which reminds me a little bit of that stone temple pilots thing you told me about um yeah the the hidden track yeah the hidden track thing so it's kind of yeah. cool i love stories like that yeah um, but after this careless whisper it goes into like you say it goes into right place right time um and i don't know Mm-hmm. And it, it's just straight back into that funky soul vibe, which kind of, it highlights even more to me that Careless Whisper at track seven just sticks out a bit like a sore thumb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that they felt like the flow of the album needed something sedate there. Yeah. Or something. I mean, I've seen I've seen other artists do stuff like this. I mean, on the first album, they cover Walk On By. That's the that's the sort of the cover song on, on that. Mm, okay. I don't know, there's something a little bit... You know the Hammond organ sound. It's like it's like legendary. It's like beautiful. It's on a million awesome records. But when you hear it on its own with a bit of vibrato on it, doing like a lead line, like like a vocal lead line or something, it it can sound just a little bit kitsch, bit Mike Flowers pops. Yeah, and uh, I feel like that's we spent far too long discussing. The, the low point of a very very good album yeah actually. we have let's so, move on let's let's move on let's move on i mean it's for me i think this is a great album i would highly recommend it i will continue to watch it no i will continue to listen to it 
I'd love to see it live. I'd love to see it live in somewhere like New Orleans where you just like sort of stumble across this in a bar. It would be amazing. Um, it starts off with two super cool jams, Holding One, Call Your Mom, goes straight into Girly Face, which is probably a bit more of a complex beast. Um, it, it's got some real interesting chord progressions in there. And from then, the album just sort of takes flight. And it's it's, it's a great listen. It's a great listen. And make your own mind up about Careless Whisper. Mm. I think I think I think a lot of people really like that. I think those people are out there. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so I would definitely say if you are fans of people like Booker T, um, The Meters, even um band from the UK called Trio Valore, which features fine drummer Steve White, uh, Paul Weller's ex-drummer, and Damon Minchella, the bass player of Ocean Colour Scene, um, definitely worth checking out this album. There's a lot to enjoy there. What are you picking for the playlist? Oh, sorry, for the playlist, I'm going to go Faux Show, which is what Faux I heard. Show. And it, uh, yeah, it pulled me in. So for the okay. playlist, I'm going Faux Show. Faux Show? For Show. Faux Show. Yo. So onto the playlist goes Faux Show by the Delvon Lamar Organ Trio from the album I Told You So, the first of the two albums that we have discussed tonight. Coming up in just a minute, we'll be chatting about There There by Four Giants. But before we do, just a quick reminder that you can check out our playlist on Apple Music or Spotify by searching for Adventures in New Music or go to the website adventuresinnewmusic.com and hit the playlist button (laughs) (laughs) yes so (laughs) moving on to album two uh uh, i've chosen there there by four giants I feel like the way I said for Giants then was like the number four, but it's actually for FOR Giants. Yeah. Yeah. So shall I tell you a little bit about them? Yeah, interesting choice. Tell us a little bit about Four Giants. So for Giants is a long distance band based in Brooklyn and Chicago and is made up of two members, Eric Lowry and Earl Lee. There There was released on the 8th of January 2021 and is the band's third album following 2015's You Are the Universe and 2017's Big Sky. All three albums have been released independently. The band could safely be described as experimental progressive metal, but throughout There There they also exhibit a softer edge and can shift adeptly into post-rock slotting, soaring glittering passages of musicianship into an album that is mostly jam-packed with chugging riffs Double kick and wild shredding. Comparisons have been made between Four Giants and such progressive metal pioneers as Meshuggah and Gajira, but comparisons are better suited to the likes of Animals as Leaders, given that, like them, Four Giants are an instrumental band. But throughout their there, Four Giants pack out the mix with rhythmic tricks and twists and punctuate them with sparklingly melodic lead lines, almost creating the illusion of vocal lines from time to time. But Chris... Une question. For Giants, they're there, there or thereabouts, or neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, what were the options? 
Uh, there, 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 or thereabouts, or neither here nor there. I say there or thereabouts. <laughs> <laughs> that's I the like first it. time. That's the first time anyone's ever answered one of those questions. Yeah. So, um, right. So they've got a bit of a postal service vibe to them. Then, yeah. So recording long distance. That's interesting. Yeah. And actually, if you look at their Instagram, it, there's lots of videos of them sat at their computers, basically just like. I'm just putting down the bass for this, or I'm just putting down the guitar for this, and, da, 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 da. and is this is this album self-produced as well? Self-produced, self uh, self-released, every everything about it is very oh, fair play, fair yeah. play, well done, lads. Absolutely, yeah. Because the production on this is stunning. It's brilliant. It's crisp as, isn't it? Oh, absolute. I mean, it's superb. It's it's clear. There's like sort of everything's got its own space. Um, you know, it's it, it's good. The production on it is absolutely fantastic. Um. Interesting enough, uh, we've had a full week of instrumentals, haven't we? Yeah, I find that sort of weird that we would do that. I mean, we, we've done something similar before, haven't we? Have we had Have we had an instrumental album before? I mean, that Micaiah McRaven crops yeah, up, but it's uh, not. I don't think it was strictly instrumental. It was. I'm not sure. We probably have, but to land on two in one week is pretty rare, considering we don't do it that often. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It really mm. is. It really is. Not our lyric between them. How did you um, come across this band then? So this was in, I think, the metal listings on on Apple Music. Um, I think, I think, I can't, I can never remember. I should always make a note. But it was just one of those things where I was, uh, I was just looking around for something new to put on the potentials list, and the lucky ones was the track that I mm, track heard. Two. Yeah, track two. So it's kind of all out, bursting, loads of double kick. Uh, one of the things I like about this band is that the drums follow the riffs really beautifully. So you hear the sort of you know a staccato riff being shredded all over the place and, and cutting across the beat a little bit and the, the drums will follow it um it, it's it's pretty you know the drum tracks are awesome on this um they're sort of sort of feel very organic yeah but i i wanted to pick your brains a little bit about this though Go on. i've only seen footage of the guys laying down guitar tracks and one of them is credited as drums, but I don't know if it's programmed drums. Oh, it doesn't sound like it. I would hope not. I mean, it feels not. It sounds like it's absolutely covered in triggers, like the the, mm-hmm. the volume of the double kick, it, which is not uncommon. No, no, not, uh, not certainly not for live as well. You know, the, mm. the, the the bass drums would be compressed, so they'd sound like you're hitting everyone at, at you know full full wallop. Um, but no, it sounds like a live drummer to me. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. But you know, if well, it it's isn't, so it's pretty it's impressive the, if it isn't. Well, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, this part of me was like, I don't even know if I want to pick this up because. The the way it's been put together, if this is someone sitting there painstakingly orchestrating a drum track, like the, even even the accents on the snare are, are really really subtle sometimes, yeah. or, or Can't really see really it. different. Good, okay, me neither. Then I mean, we may yet be proved wrong, but it's yeah. um, it's 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 impressive. This, like the last one we said, this is a huge drum album. Mm-hmm. Really huge drum album, and, and I totally agree with everything that you said there. It, it's there's so much unison playing going on between like the guitar going on between the the drum part. The drums are almost seen like a melodic instrument. Mm-hmm. The the best example of this is track three. What happened to you? Um, it's almost like the drums are the main instrument. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's such it's such a busy part in a good way. You know, mm. there's so much going on in that that drum part in that track three. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? And I, I, for for that one, I wrote this. This track is sort of chuggy versus tappy. It's like it's got yeah. both 
both the kind of extremes of what they do. They, there's footage of, of one of the guitarists, I think it's Earl Lee, is, is just tapping like beautifully around the fretboard and tapping and pinch harmonics and things like that, which appear on this record quite a lot, are not things that I'm generally into. They're a little bit metal for me, a little bit, you know, on the cheese side. And also a little bit too technically professional, so I get a bit jealous that I can't do them quite as well as these guys. Yeah, I find them a little bit like spices in a curry too much, and it's just going to completely ruin it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think with this one, it really it really kind of occupies a huge spectrum of what they do, and, and the, the interplay between the two styles, the double kick and the chuggy riffs, versus the kind of high astral sort of tapping and and sparkliness is is really clear on that track i think is a really good one yeah i um i totally got the animals as leaders sounds yeah. like you know it's that sort of it's animals as leaders i mean again a band that i really quite like animals as leaders although i've got to be honest i struggle listening to a full album of animals mm-hmm. as leaders from from start to finish i think quite a hard listen um other bands in this genre that i very much like and so i watch you from afar yeah. caspian from last year russian circles mm-hmm. um even battles maybe yeah. put you know maybe stretching the same battles the difference between these bands um, oh, there's just there's quite a bit in, in the bands that I've just listed. There's quite a lot of odd time going on, yeah. which you don't doesn't satisfy your odd time needs. This album, that the Four Giants album, and that I think is one of my criticism of, of the album. I just I kind of wish that they'd taken a few more risks, maybe banged in some odd time there. And, but but that simply could just be my taste. No, I think I think you're right. It's interesting to see a progressive metal band not flirting with odd time all over the place. Mm. And I think one of the things that makes it do, I mean, this might be the careless whisper argument for this album, is that it makes it a little bit lighter, a little bit more accessible, I think. Even though it has these very dissonant, discordant, hard-to-make-sense-of passages, rhythmically, the most, I don't know, the most difficult it gets is, is syncopation, really, but yeah. still within a kind of 4-4. Four, four. People cutting across the beat a lot and people... Yeah, see, track four, Help Is Not Coming, mm-hmm. I kind of, it, it's in six, is that one, and, and it's, this, it got to track four and I was like, okay, here we go, here we go. <laughs> this sort of made me prick my ears up a little bit. It's something a bit different. Like you say, they're playing over the bars, they're having oh. a bit of, they are playing a little bit and it that sort of um, ticked a lot of my prog boxes. But, I'd like to have heard the album go off more in this direction. Yeah. From then on, it, it doesn't really, you know, go. It is, I think with the exception of Wooden Vine, which is track six, which uh-huh. sort of comes halfway through the album, it's very much on one dynamic dynamic level. Yeah. With the, would, with the exception of that track. I would agree with that completely. And I think that would be like one criticism I have. Is, and I don't think that Wooden Vine is an exceptional track either. I think, I think a few of these tracks actually feel like they're crying out for a vocal line. Mm. They're crying out for like that third member in a, in a different city somewhere to uh, yeah. to to do some singing. Like Wood and Vine, they really, really it kind of ends like it's an anthem. It's almost Biffy Clyro esque. Oh, it finishes really builds, yeah. And it, and it's great for that. But actually, it's it's like you're kind of gunning for it to kind of just take off somewhere, and it sort of does. The guitar lines are superb. But um, but I don't know. It'd have been lovely to hear someone someone roaring some big melodic chorus at the end of that. Mm. But um, I like that you brought up "Help Is Not Coming." That's one of that's one of my standouts actually. 
And a big part of it is, I think, that at about 3 minutes 15, this sort of dissonant drone sort of bubbles up underneath the song. It's like a rising, um, you know, rising in pitch. And it's, sort of, it's not in sync with anything else that's going on. And it yeah. made me realise that actually some of what I'm missing from this album is the imprecision and imperfection of music the happy accidents that make you feel like you're listening to a once in a lifetime playing of a song or yeah whatever it is a lot of this playing is so clinical and perfect and and that's really what you turn to this album for i'm i'm possibly a little bit more of a scrappy musician (laughs) possibly just possibly uh a, a more scrappy kind of music player and, and and the same with how to die again that that drone rises up there and because it doesn't hit the notes at the same time as everything else it's got a much more organic feel to that song and i felt like that was a really nice thing to throw in there um but it, it's something that i think i miss or, or would have liked to have seen a little bit more and maybe that's something that vocals add that human yeah. element as opposed yeah. to the sort of precision of what they're doing elsewhere I mean, the thing is, like you say, it's so clinical and there is so much to sort of take on. It, it's it's almost like you need to listen to this album a number of times and with each listen hone in on a different instrument, mm. a different part of what's going on to just to get your head around what's like, right, this is the lay of the land. Yeah. It's like do that three or four times and then sort of you can enjoy the, the, the album as, as a as a piece of work as a piece of yeah um i mean and it is a it is a strong album it is you know it's a good oh, yeah. album. I, i've enjoyed listening to it um like i said it, it just didn't quite do enough to hold my complete attention mm-hmm. that around about the sort of track seven and eight it sort of tended to blend a little bit all into one and mm-hmm. it, the album just sort of left me at that point but i've got to say it comes around really strong track nine october moon really sort of frantic opening half then you get a nice sort of drop and then this really euphoric second half really huge big solo yeah. um but then really unusually you get uh, on track nine which is the penultimate track on the album you get a 30 second fade out yeah and it fades to like nothing and you're like well that's the album done and then no you get track 10 which is the title track and it, it kind of feels like an encore yeah yeah, because you've had that nice fade out. You've yeah. had that fade out. It's dropped, and then you you get your encore. And first time, I wasn't so sure about that. But as I've had more listens, I quite like that. I quite like mm-hmm. that sort of fade out on track nine. And then here you go. Here's your last. Here's your goodbye. Yeah, that's quite nice, isn't it? One of the things I found slightly weird about that though is that track eight fades out as well. And both tracks. Yeah. You, you talk about this big solo. Um. Uh, I, I kind of after listening to track eight, which is called Bartending for Ghost. I couldn't help feeling that the guitar solo on that was very, very early 90s. It reminded me of the guitar solo from uh, Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. And um, and I couldn't get it out of my head. And then it fades and I was like, gosh, this is so 90s. And then and then track uh, nine, uh, October Moon, sort of does, almost pulls the same trick out of the bag. It's like, we'll have that 90s guitar sound. And it's, it's replacing what I think probably... Uh, could or would have been a vocal melody you know it's mm. that sort of crisp and melodic and it's spacious it's almost like it's speaking i love talking guitar like that it's really cleverly done I, th- I think in the context of this where some of the guitar is just firing at you like a gun it's like oh this is kind of easy odds i can't tell it doesn't quite sit as as neatly for me as as it as it could have done on an album that had a little bit more variety in the guitar delivery on it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which is maybe a mean thing to say. I, I, I don't mean it. I think it's just a great album as well. It's really good fun. Um, it's a metal album. It's rocking. It's got double kick for days. It's yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the production on it does a really good job of highlighting the fact that there are probably about, I don't know, eight guitar tracks per song. And these are... Um, basically squeezed together and yet you can still pick out what the main riff is mm. and there's a real distinction between the two players as well guitar wise if you look at the videos on instagram you can see that one guy is very into the the kind of the deeper riffs the me- metally riffs and the other guy seems to be occupying that higher register and it's yeah it really works well as a partnership we've spoke before about bands that do that and it does it is really clever isn't it mm. oh i'll uh i'll scrap around for some videos and bang them in the show notes of, mm. uh, of, of some of the some of the guitar playing that'll sound interesting I, I feel as well just to go off on a slight tangent but I couldn't forgive myself for pointing out um, uh, everything I do I do it for you is probably got one of my favourite uh, mid eights in from any song ever carry on so so, so which bit no 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 before that uh, there's no love like your love. There's no, there's no, no, no that bit. No, no lovely, way. lovely. No, I tell you what. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Brian, Brian Adams. Brian Adams can write a mid eight. I've got to give it to him. I've got to give it to the guy. Even on um, what's the big one? What's the big Brian Adams one? <laughs> Summer of '69. Yeah, great mid eight. Oh, yeah, that is actually yeah, great yeah. mid eight. Great, great, uh, great key change into the mid eight. Lovely, lovely stuff. I, I do feel like mid eights is something we talk about a lot, and I we do like feel like they're one of the underrated portions of a song. You know, people talk about totally. choruses, verses, intros, and outros, but yeah, the give me a mid eight. Any, anyone oh. can write a chorus. Give me a mid eight. Yeah, big time. <laughs> Best mid eight album in utro. Nirvana, hands down. Well played, yes, sir. Hands down. <laughs> we have spoke about this on many times. We have bored, pe- we have bored people many a time with our mid-eight It's true, chat. though. I defy you, listener, to go and, and listen to In Utero and not hear every track and go, that's a st- absolutely stunning middle-eight. Everyone. They keep coming. Every, every single, single one. one. My favourite is probably uh, Radio Friendly Unit Shifter. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Oh, cool, cool. Um, Very Ape is good as well, though. Yeah. Hang on, um, so, hang on, hang on. Is it? Yeah, it is. It's brilliant. <laughs> Out of the ground, into the sky, uh, yeah, what, you know, yeah. all that. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I just had to run that through my head. Cool. Okay, right. I feel like I've said all I want to say about uh, There There by Foot Giants. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I mean, just to sort of say that I, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a good, solid album. I would definitely recommend checking it out. Mm-hmm. It just didn't leave me completely satisfied. Me, personally, just didn't leave me completely mm-hmm. satisfied. Um, I would say, have you have you thought about a playlist song? I think I'm going to go with The Lucky Ones. It's been close between a few of them. I quite liked the organic feel that the drone in Help Is Not Coming and How To Die gave to it. But actually, as a showcase for the album... The Lucky Ones, uh, the track that first brought me to this album, is a really, really good one. And I think that's the kind of track, if you heard it on our playlist, that would draw you to the rest of the album as well. So I think that would do its job. Agreed. Huge song. Absolutely massive song. (laughs) Would you see this live? I think I would. I think, you know, it's one of those things that I'd probably probably want to catch at a festival. Rather, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I'd rock up to it, you know independently of that but if they were playing i'd like i'd definitely like to check it out catch a few songs and that i don't know if they even do a live thing because given yeah given of course they're, they're, they're just a pair um of course. but yeah it'd be interesting to see live and uh yeah 
I don't know. I, I like I like what they're doing. I like that. I like to imagine they're really good mates, and they just send each other music and work on it for ages yeah. and get it done, and then feel proud of it and get it out into the world. And and I think that's a really positive thing. A nice kind yeah. of function of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that I agree. I think I would watch it live. Although I mean, it's so difficult, isn't it? I mean, we've been in lockdown for a year now. I don't know what's I don't know what's a good th- what I want to do and what I don't want to do. I don't know what's a good thing and a bad thing anymore. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> I think that I'd like to watch this live with a pint, propping up the bar, admiring it from a distance at a festival. So yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, wicked. Yeah. Find me that festival. Yeah, cool. <laughs> right. That was there. There by Four Giants. Well worth checking out. Right then, so that was, uh, that's the end of episode five. And we just finished discussing <laughs> There There by Four Giants and I Told You So by Delvon Lamar, Organ Trio. Two lovely albums, not a word between them. No. Oh, Excellent. Funny. So next week, episode six of Adventures in New Music uh, series two, the album that I have picked for us to enjoy is Forever in Your Heart by Black Dresses. And I have listened to the first track, which is called Peace Sign, with tons of exclamation marks after it. Um, and what have you picked as Andy for next week? I have picked us an album called No Place by Danielle Durak, and her surname is spelled D-U-R-A-C-K. And the track I've heard is track three, Broken Wings. <laughs> right, so get those uh, downloaded and in your ear holes and, uh, you know, order them on vinyl and whatever else. And, um, yeah, that's it for this week, isn't it? I think that's it. Right, lovely. If you'd like to get in touch, please do so on the Instagram or send us an email. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review, anything you want to do, tell your friends. And uh, yeah, over and out, Chris. Over and out. See you next week. Okay, please uh, please depart the Adventures in New Music train. I hope it stopped first. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Yep. Okay, off you go. Oh, I'm just doing that bit where you press the button and the doors don't open for ages. <laughs> I was, that happened to me at Manchester for, for absolute about five minutes once. Every, you know, we should probably end this. Y- yeah, it's just that panic, isn't it? You know, <laughs> you know, the doors are going to open, but your mind just goes, but are they? Oh, yeah, my mind does. Mm. Yeah, totally. Even when the doors are open, I'm, my mind's going, you're not going to get it off, mate. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but I do. Trains. I always do. Oh, it's been a while, you know. I haven't been on the train for a long time. Anyway, uh, see you next week. (laughs) Bye-bye.